I don't know if you read the newspapers and look online and watch the news on television, but confidence and trust in our president is pummeling. Confidence and trust even in our governor. I was reading the Aniston Star this week and saw where one of the chief editors at the Star was calling our governor inept. And then uh, it's not uh, uncommon for me to go in and out of our uh, towns here in Calhoun County and hear people talk about our local leaders and their lack of trust for them. And then even this last week, the uh, people of America were calling for the removal of the commissioner of the NFL because of inept leadership on there. It seems to be an epidemic, a lack of leadership, or at least a perception of a lack of leadership. And as we were singing that song just then, my heart began to be flooded with the, the, the delight and the comfort that we have a leader in Jesus Christ who will never fail us. He will never make a bad decision. He will always lead us perfectly. He will always lead us to the greener pastures. He will always lead us to the place where God is calling us to His kingdom. And so I praise His name for that. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. If you're visiting with us today, I just want to tell you that I am super excited that you're here today. Thank you for being here. We have been going through a series in Mark for months now, but because of the special nature of our service, installing Ron Marino as an elder, we're, um, we're actually getting to the passage in Mark that talks about uh, divorce and laws for divorce. And I try to figure out a way to make that uh, thematic with installing an elder, but none of it ended well. (laughs) None of it ended well. So we decided to uh, just put the pause button on Mark and go to Hebrews 13, verse 17. The title of the message today is Keeping Watch. Keeping Watch. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Before I read the verse, I'll just tell you to give you some context Um, The writer to the Hebrews is really preaching a sermon and he's writing it down. This is a pastoral message that is being preached to the people of faith. And so this is a sermon that he's giving. And here at the end, he's giving these exhortations for how the people of God, the church of God, are to conduct themselves. And so here we go, kind of like a helicopter that flies over the book and then just drops right down on verse 17. And we'll read it and then I will preach it. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let's read it one more time. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this instruction. We pray that you will illumine our minds. Shine the light of your glory into our minds and into our hearts that we may understand this instruction and obey it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. So today is a day of celebration for us. 
Today is a day that we get to celebrate that God has raised up yet another leader in this church. You know, when we, when we first started to even begin to plant this church, where we met for months prior to going into the summer that we started, we prayed for leaders. And at the time, I was the only leader among our church plant team that was going into the plant. And then all of a sudden, as we were praying for leaders, the Lord sent Wayne and Rebecca. And Wayne was a, a deacon at Grace Fellowship. And I was an elder at ABC. And so immediately before we planted, we had an elder and a deacon. But we continued to pray because we knew that we were committed to a plurality, a multiplicity of leaders, that there's not just one person who leads the church, but according to Scripture, there are many men who are called and qualified for that task. And then last winter, by God's grace, he raised up Ben Brown, and we tapped him as an elder. And then this spring, we uh, were able to lay hands on Mark Holden to become a deacon. And now today, we get to appoint another elder and install him in Ron Marino. And I just want to say, praise the name of God, exalt the faithfulness of God today, because he has answered our prayers, and he has said yes. Praise his name. I'm reminded of Psalm 135 which says, O Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O, o house of Judah, bless the Lord. All you people who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. He is good. So let's bless His name today. And so I want to say this to start off with, according to our passage, God's means of shepherding His people is men who are called by Him, qualified by Him, and compelled by His Spirit to follow His calling. All right, that's God's means for leading people. If you read the Scriptures, you can see all throughout redemptive history, you see that. You remember when, when Israel was in bondage and in captive to, to Egypt? And they're struggling, and they're crying out, and they need deliverance, and God taps Moses. And He says, Moses, I want you to go, and I want you to lead my people out of Israel. And Moses says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who am I that I should lead these people out of Egypt? And essentially, you know what the Lord says? He says, it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who I am. And I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. In other words, the one who is eternally present and eternally active is going to go with you and lead your people out of Israel. And if you think about Joshua after Moses died, he passes the mantle and the baton of leadership off to Joshua. And the Lord says to Joshua, Joshua, do not turn from the right or to the left, but meditate on my word day and night. And, and, and he says, no matter what happens in your leadership and among your people, don't turn. And that's exactly what Joshua says he will do. And so what the Lord calls the leaders, his men to do, is not necessarily to kind of take polls and gauge what the people want or what the people feel like they need, but rather to take the Scriptures, the Word of God, and not venture from it as they lead the people of God. And so we can go on throughout the rest of redemptive history. In Judges chapter 6, we see how Gideon was charged to take the mantle of leadership. And they were under the bondage of the people of Midian. And you guys remember when the angel of the Lord approached Gideon and said, Gideon, you need to lead the people? What is Gideon's response? Not me. Not me. I, I'm the least in my family. And my family is the least in our clan. And our clan is least of the tribes of Israel. Surely you've got it wrong. But rather the angel of the Lord says, listen, you're the one. And we're going to fill you. We're going to appoint you. And you're going to lead my people. That's exactly what 
He does. You know, we could trace all the way through redemptive history. It has always been God's means to appoint a man, to fill that man with his spirit, to lead his people where he wants them to go. And so it is without question that it is God's means for men to mediate his grace, his love, his mercy, his authority, and, and his leadership among the people of God. But there is a question today that this text really answers. And that question is, what is our responsibility to our leaders? What is our responsibility to our leaders? And so I want to answer that question in about 20 minutes. And then I want to ask Ron to come up and I want him to give his pledge of commitment to what his leadership is going to be, okay? So let's answer the question, what is our responsibility toward the leaders that God has given to us? To make it personal, you could even write down in your notes, what is my responsibility to my shepherds? What is my responsibility to my elders? What is my responsibility to Ron Marino? That would be a good question to ask. And so he gives us three responsibilities in verse 17. And the first responsibility is just to understand their leadership. Our responsibility, first of all, is to understand the elders' leadership. We can see this in a few different ways of how to understand it. In the first way, in the first line, he calls them leaders. Leaders. I think it's very interesting that in the original, this, this word leaders is actually a verb. It means those who are leading. Those who are leading. It's in the present tense. In other words, the writer of the Hebrews is not saying, listen, give respect and honor and submission to people who merely have a position of leadership or who inherited a position of leadership or who don't do anything to lead but they actually have some source of authority in the church. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you need to obey and submit to men who actually are doing the leading every day, who are praying for you, loving you, leading you, shepherding you, teaching you. All right, submit to them and obey to them. So understand their leadership. They're actually leading. They lead in their character. They lead in the way that they worship. They lead in the way that they influence. They lead in the way that they set an example. And so they're actually leading. They're fulfilling leadership roles. Now, we also can understand their leadership by the phrase that comes right after that. It says, they are keeping watch over your souls. Literally, the verb means they are going without sleep. They're going without sleep. They are staying awake. They are being watchful. It's a present tense verb, which means that they are continually keeping watch over your souls. They don't take a day off. They don't take a week off. They don't take a year off. They're regularly, habitually watching after the souls that God has put under their care. And it's an active voice. This is not passive. And I think it's very important for you to understand the role of a shepherd the role of a shepherd is not merely to respond when things go wrong, to react when something happens in the church. It's, oh, what are we going to do about this? The role of a shepherd is to actively tend the sheep in a way that is proactive. It looks ahead. It has spiritual vision. And it makes decisions before responses even have to, to be made. And so are keeping watch over your souls. Your souls. Your, that means your life your inner self, who you are on the inside. You've got a doctor that looks after your, your body. All right, you, you have other people who look after your mind. You have teachers who look after your education. 
a pastor, a shepherd, an elder, a leader looks after your soul. And do you realize today, have you been sobered into understanding that your soul is the most important aspect about you? And it is the shepherd's job to look after your soul. It is eternal. All right, it, it's, your soul will be somewhere forever. And it is the shepherd's responsibility to look after your soul. And so this idea of keeping watch has kind of the imagery of a shepherd, all right? A, a shepherd keeping watch over his flock. And I think it begs the question, how is it that a shepherd keep his wa- keeps watch over his flock? How, how does he do that? Well, there are a few very important ways. The first one is that he feeds the flock. He, he feeds the flock. You know, a good shepherd is going to find a place for his sheep to eat of the green pastures. And I know Ron will talk about that in a few minutes. And so he wants them to be well nourished. He wants his sheep to be very healthy. And so a sheep will lead his, a shepherd will lead his sheep to feed. Now, I guess it was probably about seven or eight years ago, had a, a family that was visiting our church. And this was over at ABC. And they were traveling almost an hour every Sunday and they expressed a desire to join. And I knew that they were traveling, uh, probably passing 30 churches to get to our church. And I just said, what, what's compelling you to drive almost an hour through a number of towns to come to our church? And he said, well, my wife and I are willing to drive well over an hour to go get a good meal on the weekend. We do it frequently. We drive to Atlanta. We drive to Birmingham. We just enjoy that. And this is what he said. He said, we are more than willing to drive over an hour to be fed spiritually so that our souls will be nourished, so that we will become healthy. And we're finding in this place nourishment for our soul. Man, I felt blessed when he said that. I felt encouraged by it. But I just want you to know that the primary role of a shepherd and a church leader is to feed your soul. It is to give you truth. It is to give you doctrine and theology so that you can know how to live your life to the glory of God. If we were to just stand up on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and sit down on your couches in your house when we're seeking to counsel you, encourage you, and we don't give you anything but that a boy, keep trying harder and doing gooder and we'll pray for you. If that's all we're doing, we're not being a leader. Our job is to feed you spiritual truth so that you can grow in the truth and know the truth and live out the truth in your life. And I would say this, hold us to that standard. And when we don't meet that standard, go find somewhere else to worship and somebody that will feed your soul with the truth. We also protect you. A leader's job is to protect your soul. It is, it is to protect you from dangers. One of the things that, that we try to do is protect you from errant theology, false doctrine, false teaching, people who come into the flock and try to manipulate you and because of selfish means, try to draw you away from the center of the gospel and the center of the cross into things that aren't really that important. And one way we do this is to center ourselves on the gospel. We've, I think we've talked about this before, but those who, who study counterfeit bills so, so that they can know counterfeit bills from authentic bills, they don't always just study counterfeit. They become experts on the authentic bill. So that whenever they see the counterfeit, they know it just like that. And in the same way, us as shepherds in protecting you, protect you from false doctrine and from false teaching and heresy, 
We want to know the gospel. We want to study the gospel. We want to see every angle of the gospel and teach you the gospel so that whenever we see it, we can identify heresy. And whenever you see it, you'll be able to identify it as well. And so pray for us. Pray for Ron as he protects you from false doctrine and false teachers. Another aspect of the shepherd's keeping watch is that not only does he feed you, not only does he protect you, but he restores you. He restores you. Any good shepherd who has a hundred sheep in his flock and one goes away, he's going to go get the one. A good shepherd is not going to say, well, lost one today. Even if a sheep is maybe stuck in a fence, wedged between two objects and can't get out, a good shepherd is going to go and tenderly and gently unlodge one of the obstacles in order to get the sheep out and is going to restore it, especially if it has a problem with its leg or with its body. That's the nature of a shepherd. It restores, restores lost sheep and restores sheep that are broken. And I want to tell you, it is my job. It is Ben's job. It is Ron's job to restore sheep in the flock that are struggling, who stray away. I would tell you, we are not doing our job If you don't show up for a couple of weeks and you don't get a phone call or you don't get an email or you don't get a visit just to see how you're doing or if if we know that you're in sin or you're having a marriage problem, if we don't say anything, if we don't try to encourage you, if we don't reach out to you, you know what that means? It means we're bad shepherds. We're just bad shepherds. And, And so our job is to protect you and to restore you. And then I'd say that our primary job in watching over your souls is to love you. It's to love you. What is love? Love is seeking the highest good of the object of its love. And so Ron's job and my job and Ben's job and Mark's job and Wayne's job is to seek your highest good every day. It is to sacrifice ourselves for your good in in order to encourage you. And so this is what I would say in understanding our leadership. Would you please pray that as shepherds, not only Ron, but the rest of your leaders will feed you, lead you, protect you, restore you, and love you with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Because we are going to fail, we are going to fall, but there is the chief shepherd. There is the chief shepherd who will not. And so pray that we will gain our power and our wisdom and our perseverance from him. Now I want you to notice one more thing under understanding their leadership. If you'll put your eyes down on the text, it says they will give an account. They will have to give an account. Literally this statement means they will have to give a statement, a speech as a fulfillment of their obligation. Just want you to realize y'all that I live every day of my life realizing that I'm going to stand before the Lord one day and I'm going to have to answer how I fed, led, protected, restored, and loved Mike and Leah Diggs and Matt and Ashley Strickland and Joey and Marsha Boyd and Brody and Riley and Wes and everybody else in this congregation. I will give an account for how I led you. And so will Ron. And so will Ben, and I think even so will Mark, and so will Wayne. We will give an account. And so, as we lead you, and love you, and try to protect you, please realize that there is not only 
the love that we have for you in the here and now, that we want your best. But we also know that we're going to have to answer for it. And so please, I would just encourage you to embrace our leadership, embrace our love, embrace our shepherding, because we're looking after your souls and we're also going to be accountable for it. All right, so that's understand their leadership. The second, the second thing that you must do as in your responsibility toward your shepherds is to follow their leadership. Follow their leadership. So not only understand it, but because you understand it, follow it. He says simply, and this is the lead thought of the whole verse, obey your leaders and submit to them. Obey your leaders and submit to them. In other words, follow your leader's example, obey their instruction, listen to their teaching, and walk in that way. That's the idea, all right? And so both of these verbs are in the imperative mood, what means they are commands. They're not suggestions, they're not ideas, they're not statements or thoughts to reflect on. The writer of the Hebrews is giving a clear command to the people of God and saying, do this, obey them and submit to them. Watch how they walk. Watch how they live, listen to their instruction, follow their pattern, and then heed their instruction and correction and training in righteousness that they give to you. And so what does that really look like in the church? If you're taking notes, maybe just write a few of these things down here, because I think we want to get really practical really fast here. All right, what does it look like to obey your leaders and submit to them in the church? I, I would say, first, it looks like committing yourself to attend Sunday services. I think that's why the writer of the Hebrews says in chapter 10, he says, listen, spur one another on to love and good works and don't neglect the gathering of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. I think one reason he says that is that he knows the leaders of the church gather on the day of the Lord and they open up the scriptures and teach and preach and instruct and correct and train and rebuke and, and help and edify. And not only that, after the, the book is closed and you have fellowship together, leaders are around and they're trying to sharpen you and bless you and pray with you. And if you miss out on all of that, you're missing out on really what it means to fall under their leadership. And so I think if you commit yourself to the gathering together of yourselves on Sundays as much as possible. The second way I think that uh, this is played out is you listen to the scriptures being taught and then you obey the scriptures instruction. Why? Because the Word of God is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God and even the woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What I'm doing right now is really the most significant hour and the significant moment in our whole week because we're hearing from God. And so we must listen to the Scriptures and then obey its teaching. I love, I love, I love when church members tell me like on Wednesday night, Ryan, I was meditating on what you preached on on Sunday and just for the first time I realized blank. What does that tell me? It tells me that they sat under the word of God. They're meditating on the word of God. Why? Because they want to obey the word of God. I would say this. You are dishonoring the word of God and you're disobeying the leaders of God when you hear a sermon on Sunday, close your Bible and never think about it again. A third way to uh, obey your leaders is to follow their way of life. 
follow their way of life. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 give qualifications for an, an elder. And in those qualifications, Paul says to any potential elders, they've got to be above reproach. They've got to be a one-woman man. They've got to be sober-minded and self-controlled. And they've got to have, if they have children, then they are to be under submission to their leadership. They are to not be easily angered. And he gives a number of other ways. Now, this is what I want to tell you. That's what an elder must be in order to be an elder. But, but the design by the Holy Spirit is not that the elders will be up here and that all of the rest of the congregation will be down here. And there, there's this massive gap between the way that these people live and the elders live. No, the idea is that these people, the congregation and the members, look at the life of the elders and say, I want to obey them and follow them, and I want to follow their example in the way that they live so that I can be more like them as they try to pursue after Christ. Okay, so we want Redeemer Church to be a church full of people who are above reproach full of people who are faithful to their spouses, full of people who are not easily angered, full of people who are self-controlled and sober-minded and who love the Word, okay? And so follow their way of life. I've got a couple more here. This one's very specific, and that is prayerfully consider your involvement in the ministries the elders promote. Prayerfully consider your involvement in the ministries that your elders promote. All right, and so let me just, let me have an asterisk here. Just say this. I know that it is not the will of God for every member of Redeemer Church to be involved in everything that Redeemer Church is doing. I know that. And, and I embrace that, and I hope that you don't ever feel like I'm putting, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, twisting your arm to do stuff. But at the same time, I want to say this. The elders and the deacons, the shepherds of Redeemer Church pray about everything that we do. And we, don't, we try not to do anything that doesn't have a purpose and doesn't fulfill the purpose of our mission, which is to pursue the glory of God and the joy of all people through worship, fellowship, discipleship, and mission. And this is what I would say. I would say that you owe your leaders prayer and consideration before you say no to the ministries that we promote. And in promoting them, you should ask God, God, should we do this and get involved in this ministry in order for our edification and for the building up of your kingdom? And the final thing is pray for them. Pray for your leaders. Realize that elders specifically spend time in prayer and reading and studying and training and preaching and counseling. And I just want to tell you that the, the spiritual battle is severe. It's significant. It's not without um, Satan's entering in to try to distract and discourage and, to, and promote even depression. And so please pray for your leaders so that we can lead well. Now notice at the very end, he says, let them, not do, this with, uh, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, sighing, distressing. For that would be of no advantage, no profit. It would be very harmful to you. Now, if you just look at the text, everybody who's actually with their Bibles open looking at verse 17, from this verse, I want to ask you a question. What would cause the elders to distress over you? What would cause the elders to groan over you? 
Yeah. Yeah. If you don't obey and you don't submit to leadership. That's what creates the groaning. That's what creates the distress. Look, this is the, this is the deal, y'all. This is the only authority right here that the elders have. This is it. All right, so it doesn't have anything to do with my opinion. It doesn't have anything to do with my thoughts or my feelings. But if we, from the pulpit or from the lectern or in your home from these scriptures, point to you the way of God and the glory of God and the grace of God and the way of God and the heart of God and the love of God, and we show you this is God's way, and you say, I don't want to go that way. The verb there, distress, the word, it means to be squeezed and to be tightened so that sounds come from your body. Have you ever been in a position in your life where you groaned or moaned or yelled out because of pain that you were experiencing? Okay. That's what happens to an elder when a member of a church says, I hear what God's way is, but I don't want to go that way. Don't do that. Don't do it. Follow the way of the Lord according to his scriptures. And then finally, the third responsibility, the third responsibility that you have is to enjoy their leadership. Enjoy their leadership. Now, I'm just going to admit to you freely that this, this third point, this third responsibility is not closely tied to the text um, precisely. If you look down at the text, the writer says, let them do this with joy. That is, let them do it with rejoicing, with delight, and with gladness. And you know, I just simply want to draw out in this point here the relational aspect of spiritual leadership. The President of the United States leads us but he's never met one of us, and we've never met him. Our governor leads us. He's never met us, and we've never met him, or at least most of us haven't. Our mayors and our city councilmen and our county commissioners lead us and make decisions for us, but we mostly don't have a relationship with them. That is not the case with an elder-deacon relationship with the congregation. It is about our relationship. It is about us knowing one another, loving one another, caring for one another, sacrificing for one another, humbling ourselves before one another. Yes, elders and deacons humbling themselves before the congregation, the congregation humbling themselves before the leaders. They're trying to outdo one another in service and in love and in care and in mercy and in forgiveness toward one another. And what does all of that do? It creates joy. It creates gladness. And I just want to make a personal testimony before I ask Ron to come up. And I just want to say it, it has been for two years a real joy to shepherd the flock. I don't begrudge this flock. I don't, I don't get up in the morning with a, kind of a snarl or a distressing thought in my mind about this flock. It has been absolute joy to shepherd y'all for two years. And I anticipate it will be absolute joy to shepherd you for another two years. And why has it been so? Because I believe that as members of this church, you have said, we're going to make the Word of God our authority. We're going to make God our leader. We're going to make Jesus our chief shepherd. And we're going to allow Ryan and other leaders simply to be under shepherds. And we're going to follow their lead. We're going to let 
them feed us and lead us and protect us and care for us and restore us when we're broken or when we go astray and we're going to let them love us. And you know what? Y'all have done that and you reciprocated love toward us and I praise God for that. And so my charge to you today in regard to your responsibility is that you need to understand our role. You need to understand our job. All right? Then you need to follow our lead and then you need to enjoy the relationship that we have. Now with that, I want to call Ron up to finish up the, this message with his pledge to you as a shepherd.